Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Brad Bethune, the Texas card dude. We're going to enjoy hearing his origin story and much more, so stay tuned. But thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So welcome. Should I say Brad or dude? It's up to you. It's just welcome a- to the show and, and tell us about how you do hobby and how you... Uh, uh, got started and how you got to where you are right now. And yeah, so thank you. How I got started, we're going to have to go all the way back to the 1988 era before when Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith, when the triplets got in, I was with my father and my brother and we were collecting all three of us baseball cards and sports cards and went to a particular baseball card shop that's no longer in Plano. We bought, sold and collected we more bought than we did anything else i think we kept uh, that, that shop in business alone my father was purchasing but uh, i collected mavericks ua blob if you can remember ua blob <laughs> and then i was part of the reunion rowdies collected the course aikman emmett any dallas cowboys and any texas ranger including rusty greer juan gonzalez and the greats of those eras was that the uh, same as your brother and your dad or did you have your own particular collecting interest so my was my own. My dad was a Yankees fan growing up. And how a Texas guy became a, a Yankees fan, I still can't get a straight answer from him. But he liked Mantle. He was a big Mantle guy. He loved Mantle. And then he, because we idolized or watched Emmett and Aikman and the triplets, he collected a lot of the Cowboys. And my brother was a Griffey and Frank Thomas fan. He loved the long ball. He, he had Griffey on his wall and he, he had Thomas on his wall. And he had Jordan on his wall. So he, he was more of a big name player collector than was a local guy. Time went on. I got interested in, in school, softball, the partying in the, in the college life and got out, sold everything. Back in the 91, 92 era, I jumped back in because I thought it was cool. Met a young lady that changed my interest and I got back out again. And more recently, when Pete Alonzo hit the home run championship uh, as a rookie, I'm like, wait a minute, who's this Pete Alonzo guy? Because uh, I'd always been a sports fan. I'd always watched baseball, basketball, football, hockey. It was a big stars season ticket holder for a while. Always good. Go to one or two Cowboy games a year there for a while. I went to 82 Ranger games a year. So I've always been an in-person fan of games. Just when Pete Alonzo became a home run champion, I'm like, wait, a rookie did this? Let me jump back into this. That's what jumped me straight back into collecting in 2019. But so you had a pretty big gap then. Yes, a very, uh, very big did you gap. Did feel like you just picked up where you left off? Did you still have stuff? Uh, or were you going back to your triplets and Cowboys and Mavs and Stars and Rangers? Or did you take a fresh look at it in the last few years? So I had, I kept like maybe 25 cards, maybe through the years. And it was Emmett, Michael, Aikman. I had a George Bush card opening day where he's throwing out the first pitch. Will Clark, Ron Sandberg. I had a couple of cards that I just kept and drug around with me in a keepsake box. But when I jumped back in in 2019, I just went completely fresh. And as many Pete Alonzo cards as I could get my hands on. And then at the time, I went from Pete Alonzo to Vlad Guerrero Jr. And from Vlad Jr., I started looking back at the Rangers and started looking at Nick Solak and started looking at just a couple of players up and coming, Sean Murphy, really players that uh, were young and that I could collect and start prospecting with. So those that's where I've really 
move my focus into is more prospecting and collecting very certain players for my collection. I'm a very, very niche. Yeah, are you still mainly a buyer or are you buying and selling, trading, flipping any, any of these other things? What's, what's your posture? Yeah, it's been an interesting history. When I jumped back in October whole hog for a Texas phrase, for those of you who aren't in Texas, uh, all the way, all in, hashtag all in. From October to December, I was just collecting. I was player collecting. I was collecting Rangers. I was collecting Stars, Mavericks, and then specifically Alonzo and player collectors. When uh, I lost my job December 18th, right before Christmas, uh, I remember I was sulking in my hot tub with an adult beverage. And I had the very great privilege of my wife coming out to me and she's saying, you know what? Why don't you go full time into the hobby? And I go, really? Because <laughs> I like a Scooby-Doo, I went, Rrr! And she goes, yeah, make it full time. See if you can do this. You love the hobby. You love buying sports cards. You love sports. You always wanted to do some sports angle. Why don't you pray on it? And why don't you think about it and noodle on it and decide? I talked to a couple of people from church and a couple of people from the hobby that I considered knowledgeable. And about a week after Christmas, I decided to go all in and buy, sell, and collect trading cards and start Texas Card Dude sole proprietorship. So like John Newman, I pay taxes, have a PL report, I pay sales tax. So it's fun. First, a lot of listeners are trying to figure out how can I get a wife like that? <laughs> I am blessed. And if they're married, love the one you're with. But, but mm-hmm. still, it's nice to have a wife that understands you and uh, can have a vision for you. So that's a great story. But it, that then, so you can't just be a collector. You, you're in business. So what are your primary revenue sources? Are you messing around with unopened stuff? Are you you know buying and selling players and you know buying lots and eBay stuff? What what are your venues? Where oh, wow. that, that's I've a, seen you at the shows, but where's the income and the outflow? Where's it happening for you? That's a really good question for everybody who's listening because that's probably one of the few things that they how does he come up with? So I procure inventory through boxes. I do sell and open some wax. I will buy. Uh, very specific wax that I like. So I still do stuff that I enjoy opening because I, I buy two boxes. I buy a box to resell and then I buy a box to open. A box that I open, if there's a Pete Alonzo card, I keep a Pete Alonzo card. If there's Nick Solak, I'll keep a Nick Solak. And then everything else I'll put on Facebook, eBay. I'll sell through Twitter. I'll sell in person. I did do some Com C, but I felt that I stretched myself a little too thin with so many different verticals. So I used to do five or six different verticals. And now I've pared that down to three to, to make sure that I focus. I've got a couple of card shops here in Dallas that I go to that I procure supplies and I procure inventory from or cards from. I just spent four hours at one on Friday. They kicked me out. I could have spent another four hours there. I do buy online from eBay. I do buy online from Sportlot specific players that I can acquire cards for that I think that I can flip or resell or however you want to term it. The one thing I don't do is I don't stand in line at the retail. I don't mess with that. If I go to Walmart, if I go to Target and there's cards there, yeah, I'll look. I've got a Walmart resale certificate. I've got a target resale certificate. My time is more valuable than to sit there for, or stand there for four to five hours and wait on cards when I can pre-order packs or I can pre-order through eBay or through wherever and acquire them that way. So in that aspect, I'm different. I don't go to the retail, but I will pre-order what I can. A lot of people are going to retail and if time is money, then I'm not sure that they're doing that. Well, a lot of people are there early and maybe being restricted or being shut out. But I want to focus on the selling because mm-hmm. I, 
There's different ways to buy cards and buy individual cards, groups of cards, all that. But when you're selling in the business aspect, as you're now approaching us as a business, and you open up a box, what's the point below which it's not economical for you to sell it? In other words, if you have a $10 card, there's different places to sell a $10 card, $5 card, yeah. But when you get to a dollar card or a 50 cent card, what, what do you do? Because a bunch of the cards that you're going to get when you open up or you buy a group of cards, are they're not all going to be high demand cards. Yeah, so that's a, doing, What are you doing with that? That's a very interesting question. I tested it two ways for me. The first way was putting the bigger cards on eBay and then putting everything else on sport lots. You can go back. I don't think that's a very advantageous or a very profitable idea. So what I did is I, t- is I took another opening day box, completely opened it up, and then put everything on eBay. And the box paid for itself very quickly. I'm now, I don't know, 3X into that box. Multiple listing things where you list on one listing, you can list a whole bunch of cards. No, I did individual listings. I used uh, eBay's Excel spreadsheet then uploaded it that way. It was very time consuming. It took me a full day to build the spreadsheet. Are they 75 cent cards or what what uh, are you getting for? The lowest that that I will do is 99 cents. If they sit, if they don't sit, they don't, they don't sit. And yeah, there'll be cards eventually that I'll pull off eBay and there'll be cards that don't sell. What I'll do is I'll take those and I will put them in a particular box and I will either donate them to Rich or I will bulk them out into a 5,000 count box or at some point in time within the end of the year, I will do a show, whether it's a smaller one of of Kyle's or, or something like that. I'll need inventory for that. So I'll pull out whatever name, stars or whatever, build a star box and then donate the rest to Rich. So there's different ways to make a box profitable more than just trying to resell the box itself. It's just that once you take out the big hit, I think I've told a story. I, I bought some opened boxes <laughs> that still had the cards in the packs, but in every pack, the best card had been removed and, mm-hmm. and quasi resealed. Mm-hmm. Now, the boxes would seem to be a bargain, but not if you think that every box, every pack hit had been taken out. We're buying basically, con- there were still some stars there, but it was a, you know, a fraction of the price of what it would be if it was, oh, I thought, wow, what a great deal. And then I looked closer. But those are the cards that are hard to sell. So you're saying if you put them on eBay one at a time, go to the trouble to do that, you'll sell a few when people are completing sets or looking for their player or what? Yeah. So there's three types that I found that will purchase from me at that type. It's either... A, through the mail autograph hounds who are looking for a particular person to send an autograph through the mail. It's B, somebody who is a player collector. Everybody at some point has a player or a team collector. And then there's the set builder. And I've had each one of those types reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, thank you. I had a hard time for for finding this card. Thank you. But but they just want one. It's not 10 Joey Gallo cards or 10 of the same opening day Joey Gallo cards. It's just the one card. Correct. Correct. And I follow the Mike Summer method of this, where even if it's 50 cents worth of profit, it's profit. And all profit at the end of the day is profit. It gives me a chance, A, to collect Nick Solak cards or Pete Alonzo cards. And it also gives me a chance to put some money into the household. So. Okay. You said all profit is profit, but is paper profit? Not so sure. There you go. <laughs> that one you got me. <laughs> Unless it's green paper. Unless mm-hmm. it's- 
money paper. But no, people think they've made a lot of profit when they haven't sold yet. And it, there's profit to be taken, but you have to take it to get the profit. So right, yeah, you you do have to do the same page there, but it takes time. And mm-hmm. uh, what I like about what you're doing is you're making somebody happy, you're right? And what they want at a reasonable price is it's not you, you can't sell cards for a penny. You'd make somebody really happy, but that's not. But if you're buying in bulk, if you buy a monster box of commons, yeah, you get a penny. Yeah, I did. I can't remember them right off the top of my head, but I had five pillars. Honor God, be honest, be uh, a good price, have fun, be quick, and be very responsive. If I hold true to those pillars, then at the end of the day, all blessings come through. Uh, I'll be taken care of. Great note to end on, Brad. I think your five pillars sounded like six to me. But well, yes, that's true. <laughs> counting when, it, when it's good stuff. So thanks, Brad Bethune, Texas Card Dude. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Thank you, sir. The